0: Welcome to the Nourish Date Podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Sander Goldenberg as usual and special guest with us today, return Ryan Rubin. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm good, Sean. Thanks for having me back. Good stuff. No problem. It was a great podcast last time and uh, again, glad to have you here. Yeah, it's been a busy week for me. Um, Started a new job. That's been hectic. Been doing a lot of podcast work, a lot of editing, stuff like that. And it got me thinking as to, okay, Sean, I need to take a little day off here. You need to take a couple days off to kind of regroup, come back to where I need to be. And I thought, you know, we haven't really touched upon any spiritual things really on our podcast. Hey, Sandra?
1: Yeah. So we want to talk in today's podcast about something that is often left out of conversations about health and well-being. So we spend a lot of time talking about what to eat how to sleep how to move that's what's commonly told to us by the media about how to take care of our bodies and how to live better in the world but in my experience as a yoga teacher in my experience as a human being there's a missing link in all of this which is spirituality and there's lots of definitions as to what spirituality is but it is the process of feeling good in your body and doing the things in your daily life that feel aligned with uh, a deeper message. If you believe in the idea of a soul sort of aligning with a deeper sense of who you are that's outside of your identities such as Sandra Goldenberg, sister, daughter, whatever. Something bigger than all of that. And it's a bit of a nebulous subject, but I think it's worthwhile cracking into. So with Ryan today, the three of us are gonna share some of the ways that we personally tap into spirituality find out who we are and how we feel better outside of the ways we do so with food and exercise
2: that was a really great introduction and i'm so glad to be here to uh, talk with you guys and to everyone about my experiences and that was a great um, introduction because you used the word crack into and i actually had um, one of my you know early spiritual experiences was when I physically felt my third eye crack. Um, wow. So you know it's your third eye is sort of your um, sort of uh, an, your pineal gland uh, and it's sort of in, in uh, sort of above uh, between your two eyes but slightly above in the middle of your forehead and it helps you you know access different levels of awareness and yeah um, I actually one day felt it crack. I was sort of in, I in had my eyes closed and I was sort of um, in a sort of semi-meditative Relaxed state and um, a really cool thing happened after that um, After it, it literally felt like someone took their nail and then pushed it into my forehead and that uh, That it actually cracked and that kind of opened up my third eye and within that I was able to see sort of a, a light And then when you see that light you kind of my, my head sort of kicked back and I, I my eyes went up And I was able to sort of follow that light and yeah really cool uh, sensation uh, body sensation uh, occurred after that
0: back up a minute. How did you first learn about that? And then Walk me through that experience to start with so you just walked into some
2: place and then some guy just cracked a chakra No, 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 so I yeah, not that simple But I think I think that the idea of the third eye and the pineal gland is is all around us in society It's you know in, in different forms um, So this was just a personal experience that that actually happened in it, you know, it created literally cracked open, but sort of, uh, over the years, I remember my first sort of uh, experience with an energy healer. I don't know if you guys have been to energy healers, but, um, one day I I met someone at an event and he introduced himself as an energy healer. I think that's an interesting name for a job. Um, kept his card, kind of looked up what that is. And I found obviously things like Reiki and meditation and things like that. And, you know, I, I booked an appointment. It was a nice, you know, casual pay what you can, um, experience. And, um, I think we he, he had a shared sort of um, energy healing space with you know different books and music and all these things to make you feel comfortable and at home. And this, so I was very new to this, but I was I was open to it. And you know you you sit with an energy healer and they'll assess sort of what you what you're looking for and what's what's ailing you. And they'll you know they've been trained to address those issues, whether it's with crystals or or with um, different uh, ways of moving energy between their hands. And connecting that energy to different parts of your body, um, such as chakras. Uh, if you guys are familiar with chakras, are energy centers. They run from you know your your groin through your stomach, into your throat, uh, your you know and, uh, up onto your um, the top of your your head. There's probably a few more. Um, they're kind of um, you know they all represent different different colors and different uh, parts of your overall well-being. Again, something we could probably uh, look look into further on a Another episode but um, yeah that's sort of a a form of um, addressing different energy centers and aligning them I think it's really cool Uh, another thing was um, at one point when all my uh, when when all the uh, chakras are aligned the whole goal is to um, activate your crown chakra which is on the top of your head and there's a a something called the thousand-petaled lotus and that's when um, this surge of energy comes through your body and up through your head Almost like an explosion of, of, of lotus flower opening. Whoa! Right. Feels like a
0: pinball machine. You know those pinball machines? You gotta like use that ball to hit all these things, and then once you hit all the things, you get to the center, and you're like, boom! I win! I beat that game! I beat Something pinball. Like that. So you walk into this place. Now let's say. Again, I'm walking into this place and I say, oh, you know what, uh, I, I'm having a lot of back pain. And the energy healer says, okay, I just need to open up that chakra. Is that how it goes? Or?
2: I think, yeah, they'll, they'll address their energy towards that part of your body based on your, their, that, that sort of... Um, they'll be able to... I don't, I'm not an energy healer, so I don't exactly know hmm. how. But yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll understand and they'll, they'll address that area of your body with... Sometimes they'll use crystals. And just by sort of putting crystals on different areas of your back... Um, that will help sort of with the
1: alignment. Can I want to pull this back a little bit because I think for people who haven't really looked into various ways of healing and spiritual healing, some of this can sound really obscure. First of all, I want to know from the both of you what has driven you to seek spiritual healing. What was the what set you off? Because most people, when they seek healing, it means that there's something wrong, something mm-hmm. sick, mm-hmm. and so from a Buddhist lens, we talk about suffering, which is the fact that we are human beings and we live in the world, that there's a certain degree of suffering and that's enough to prompt us to seek a different way out. So could both of you speak to, at what point did you go from being sort of a child or a young adult in the world to realizing, you know, I need help. There's got to be a better way to do this.
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Sandra. Definitely. I would say suffering is a good way to start. I think suffering definitely brought the need to change in my life. Um, I was finding, uh, I can't really specify ages. I mean, up until pretty much 26, actually, 26, yeah, 27 things kind of clicked for me. But around 26, you know, I was trying different things and I'd kind of tried all these different things to make me happy and be satisfied and be fulfilled. And nothing was really working, but they were all like kind of material things, right? Like money or this or that. I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I have that job. I'll be happy when I have that house, when I have that car. You know, which each thing that I thought would bring me happiness I wasn't that much closer. So then I realized that I needed to do some learning. So I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of philosophy, religion, new age, whatever, voodoo, pseudoscience, call it what you want. And
1: sorry, exploring through books or- Through
0: books and through actually doing it. Like an example would be, uh, I've been to a um, isolation tank. I always get it wrong. I always confuse it with hyperbaric tank, but isolation tank. So that's, it's called floating. So you go into this pretty much chamber, dense tank that totally isolates the sound, uh, sights, it's dark in there. Uh, You float, so there's water, and they add a ton of salt so that you're floating and your body weight is kind of, you're weightless. So what that means is that the root of it is they wanna eliminate all your senses so that your brain has time to kind of focus and settle down. The idea is once your brain settles down, then you can then use it to kind of figure some stuff out, meditate, you know, whatever you want to kind of focus and get your thoughts together. So I've tried that and that was great. I really enjoyed it. I thought it did what I needed to do. I got into the tank, I meditated and I could see myself doing it again. It was just a little expensive and still is fairly expensive right now. But anyways, I tried that, different diets, you know, changing my diets up, seeing if that works. I've been vegetarian at a time. I've done paleo, you know, I've done all of those things um physical stuff you know but it really came down to one book called breaking the habit of being you by joe dispenza dr joe dispenza and it's the only similarity between that book and other self-help books is that it's got some positive encouragements and but the difference is he focuses a lot more on the science of how to get your self in a better space, get your thoughts in a better space. It's it's pretty much based on neuroplasticity, so changing your thought pattern. So I would find myself in the beginning of the day, and one day I sat down and I actually recorded my thoughts and really thought about, really was aware and mindful of my thoughts. And I realized that a lot of the automatic thoughts do tend to air towards negativity. So whether it's self-criticism or just, oh man, I. I'm not doing this, I gotta do this, you know. Once I changed those thoughts to more positive thoughts, it really made me feel differently. And I think that was the starting point for change. I also added meditation at that time. I started meditating a lot and I also joined, I would attend once a month, once every couple months, this um, Buddhist center where I was taught how to meditate with other people. And that was really special too because I was with other people meditating for hours at a time. And that opened up a whole not- another chapter in the whole mindfulness, spirituality aspect. So those are just some of the things. Hopefully I didn't go too long, Sandra.
1: So my, my question that we were talking about was um, what prompted you to start seeking this path? So you said, and I think that's a common story, you were seeking material goods at the start, early in your adult life. And you quickly learned that they, you weren't reaping benefits that actually felt great so are you finding that investing more in a spiritual life is actually fulfilling you more has it has it come through with those promises
0: I would say that for sure uh, and it's not just material it could be like pleasure too so like eating a lot oh bring me happiness well it's momentarily it's pleasure or you know whatever uh, what chocolate that's eating again but whatever brings you you pleasure but pleasure is not it either so coming to an understanding a long-term idea of where I want to be in my life where I want my mind to be and where I need to go how do I achieve this thing they call nirvana or the next stage or whatever it is where I can say that you know I am who I am I'm not my thoughts I'm not the actions that have happened in the past I'm not anxiety in the future I'm just me in the moment living where I need to be. And it took a while, but like I said, at around 27, it really clicked. And from then on, I've kind of really uh, pressed forward and uh, things are moving a lot quicker now. So it is helping.
1: Ryan, can you talk a little bit about how you started your path in spirituality? In what ways did you suffer? If we're gonna use that word.
2: Yeah, that is an interesting word to use. Um, and how did I start? Well. I can't say that there was a huge struggle. I guess it, it, it's um, the challenge to find yourself, um, which is whether that be you know finishing university and having to determine your job and your career and not having necessarily a, a clear career path. But um, that's that's the that's the challenge at your doorstep. So um, you know you you might listen to some experts that say you know you have to find your passion you have to do something that you love and then you're like oh what, what do I like to do I like to hang out with my friends I like to play these sports I like to you know what, what based on your experiences like what what are you what are you basing your you know your your journey and your your search on you know finding your passion I think that was sort of where I, I sort of was, was 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 the beginning of my journey and once I was on that journey I would you know it was more aware more open to certain things um, I was seeking passion i had found passion um and then you know um, along that way i I found you know energy healers i found other spiritual people maybe they were artists and i was looking for artists to paint to, to collaborate with on on uh through projects in my business and uh yeah sort of energy healing and yoga and all these sort of i guess eastern practices um were starting to be you know sort of more um, seem to be very available. And and these are things that you don't actually look for when you're in high school. You don't have anything to, you're not seeking anything in earlier phases in your life. So it was sort of this, this stage in my life where I wasn't, I was unsure, I was forced to find what I was gonna do. I didn't know, but yeah, on that journey, you sort of start to find different people and become aware of different practices and become more open to things. Next thing you know, you'll try something, you'll go for an energy healing. Um, you'll feel different afterwards. You'll feel a sense of alignment. You'll, you know, move forward in your life with, you know, to to, to contain that level of alignment. Like, you know, Sean said, you know, uh, eating the right foods, maybe not on a specific diet, but, you know, high vibrational foods, things that come from good soil, uh, things that, you know, contain certain nutrients are, are going to help um, carry you uh, on that experience. So it's not just about like doing this or doing that but it's about building off of all your experiences yeah
0: exactly all connected for sure
1: i don't know something you just made me think of is that what led me to start to pursue the things i do mindfulness yoga things of that nature and going off what you said sean is that you live your life and you for me high school i was just living the life that i thought we all lived it seemed very simple you you go to school and you get a job and i remember looking forward i was like oh well one day i'll have a job and one day i'll get married and one day i'll have you know kids and blah 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 the things that we're taught we're supposed to have but as i started getting older and moving through life i started realizing that it just wasn't settling in deeply there was nothing in that experience which was promised to us that was actually fulfilling i didn't like the job the jobs that looked like were unfolding before me and i i started just feeling this immense dissatisfaction with the choices ahead of me so it caused me i was called to start to take a deeper look at what do i actually like doing because i was so sick of feeling dissatisfied
0: it's interesting you brought that up because i was actually thinking about that too is things you were promised you know and You know, growing up, you need to be told things. You need to be told how the world works, how society works, how different establishments work, how the education system, how the government works. And these are things that are told to you. And I think it comes down to you reach a certain point when you just don't have what you really need. You're not getting enough out of it. And a lot of people, if they're not told that, they need to find it. You need to search for it. You know, I needed at 25, 26, I was frustrated because I didn't find it yet. it wasn't being told to me and I always tell people if I had read that book at 16 18 20 it might not have impacted me the same way so I also needed to be ready at that time you know a lot of times I will communicate something to someone or I'll share a book and I'll tell them it'll change your life and the person won't read it you know I'm telling you this will change your life and it's just like eh and I've probably done that to other people, where people are like, "Hey, do this. This will help you out," and it's just like, "Ah, okay. I'll get to it when I get to it."
2: There's a um, a younger gentleman who um, I became friends with, and I encouraged him to read a book called "The Alchemist," mm. which is, um, you know, obviously alchemy is the when you turn something uh, one material into another, whether it's like you know coal into gold. It's it's actually like a more of a um, just, pseudoscience. Yeah, just so the idea that you can see a situation and you can turn it into something that's, you know, beneficial. Mm-hmm. And anyways, uh, he never really read the book, never really gave it back and never really told me about it and I think, you know, you can't. So I mean,
0: it's frustrating. He's and when I first 14 15 and he's, yeah.
2: you know, same say. So you're saying, "Oh, I wish I had that book." And I think, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I have to try a little harder to remind him that just to at least give it back and, you know, or or just to 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 ensure that he reads it cuz that's what you feel is that if you had read that book you would be a different person yeah and it's twofold like i said if i had read that at 16
0: i might not have had the impact but then again it still would have been good to be introduced to that at 16 so you know now you know i'll give someone a book i'm not going to have expectations about it not going to say you know this can change your life whatever whatever i'm just going to give it to them and let them hey if it works it works
1: my thought on that is that we all come to things at the right time. That's part of trusting the flow. It's you go through a certain amount of suffering until it's enough that you seek a different way of being in the world. You wouldn't have been attracted to that book at 16 because you didn't understand yet how shitty life can be. You know, you oh, weren't true. ready for a different... you Because at yes. 16, you thought that going to university, getting a job, buying your car, and getting a condo mm. was going to bring you happiness. There has to be a certain level of disappointment and delusion before you actually seek out a deeper experience of the world it's a great point so like Ram Dass says that suffering acts like sandpaper on the soul and I just I think mm. about that all the time because for me I'm so grateful for everything sticky I come across in my life because it's I mean it sucks going through it but I can zoom out enough even as I'm going through stuff now to say you know Sandy this is all this is the work I'm going to get to the other side of this knowing something I didn't know.
0: Like you said, sitting with the suffering and being there, right? Like I think about it every now and then and nobody likes suffering. Nobody likes pain. You know, I don't like to go through hard times. I know it's coming though now. Now I'm old enough to know that it's a cycle. It's an up and down battle. And now I'm prepared. So before, you know, let's say, you know, five, six years ago, I would have had something happen and then it would have crushed all the steam that I had developed. All the good progress going forward, you know, eating right, meditating, doing all that. One event like, I don't know, breaking my ankle or something and being restricted would have really broken me down and put me in a bad spot. Now I'm able to have the tools in place where I can recognize it early and say, oh, what's happening? Oh, I'm dipping into one of those depressions, if you will, again. I'm getting there. Okay, what can I do to combat that? What can I do to halt that type of downward slope? Okay, well, maybe you shouldn't work on this thing that you needed to work on. Maybe you should instead go to uh, the spa. <laughs> I always say the spa. I love saunas and jacuzzis, by the way. So maybe you should go to the sauna. Maybe you should go to the jacuzzi. You know, that'll help reinvent, re-energize you and get me back to where I need to be. I never knew this in the past and now I'm aware of it and it's just, it helps with the concept of going through life's suffering because it's pretty depressing if you think about it. You're like, well, I'm always going to suffer. There's always going to be happiness, but I'm always going to come down from that. How did you end up conceptualizing that, Sandra?
1: I learned a lot through Buddhist philosophy and practice, which is what you're talking about. It's riding the waves of life and not trying to stop it. You've learned how to navigate the flow and that's all we can do. Suffering to me isn't that all moments of life are suffering, it's that if you get attached to any one thing in life, you're bound to suffer, which is if you get attached mm. to happiness, you're gonna suffer because it's gonna go away. But if I get really stuck on suffering, that's gonna go away too. So I just, like you said, all things are gonna keep flowing. You are you expect those little dips in depression because you've been through it before. You and I have talked about the idea of zooming out. As you get older, you get more and more perspective. And so rather than riding up one side of the wave, of thinking that this is the trajectory of my life, you already know that you're going to come back down. And so when you view life as this flow that's never-ending, coming and going, you don't get too attached to anything. And something that was really big for me was that when I first started experiencing what I would describe as feelings of anxiety and depression in my teens, I didn't have enough experience and perspective to know that those feelings would come and go. I thought Mm -hmm. that I had this feeling and it was going to be like that for the rest of my life. And I started really identifying with it. And it wasn't until I got into my only the past few years where I was able to let go of that identity and say, oh, this is just a sensation. This is going to flow through me if only I let it. And so when I really started feeling sensations as opposed to identifying with them, it all got better. So Ram Dass, so I love this spiritual teacher. He inspires me. So I'm going to quote him a lot. But he has decades and decades of experience with meditation and yoga and all sorts of stuff. So he has this quote where he's like, I have done countless hours of meditation and energy healing and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, in these, whatever, 40 years of practice, I have not lost one neuroses. It, it is still there. He's yeah. And he just says... That the difference is i welcome them as my friends so that's a
0: great point because that's another thing that i faltered at at you know when i had my little breakout moment when i kind of got a better sense of who i was i faltered because i didn't realize that that feeling is gonna fade too i'm gonna come down from this so you know i had my little breakout moment reading that amazing book uh breaking the habit of being you learning how to meditate And I was riding high, sharing my little story with everybody. Hey, man, you got to read this book. Hey, you know, this is going to change your life. Meditation. I was going to work. I was talking to everybody about it. And then, you know, when I started to have those automatic things happen again, you know, thoughts or this or that or low dips, moments moments of weakness. I felt down because I thought, hey, I thought I would conquered this. I thought I had found a way to deal with this type of anxiety, stress, suffering, sadness, call it what you want. I thought I had dealt with that. But I didn't realize the daily practice, you know, it's not easy. This isn't a pill you take and oh, boom, it's solved. Especially meditation is one of the hardest things you can do. But whatever you call it, meditation, this, that, you need to do it a lot. You need to do it routinely so that you know you're constantly filling that well it's a well that will run dry and you need to keep filling it
1: i love that you just brought that up because it's so much a part of my experience so i went to this 10 day vipassana retreat earlier this year so in september and for listeners who don't know what that is it's basically 10 days of silence and you sit for nine to 12 hours a day in meditation so it was a super cool undertaking i loved it And I came home from that so high and mighty about it. I was just telling everybody. Sorry, so what did you do? The Vipassana retreat at the Ontario Vipassana Center. It was 10 days of silence of, you eat two meals a day. You basically live like a monk for 10 days and you learn the Vipassana technique, which is a mindfulness meditation technique.
0: 10 days of silence. Yeah. No speaking to anybody.
1: No, you talk to your teacher very briefly. Very very briefly. So I came home and I just felt so aligned with the universe. I, I was like, yes, I am. This is the new me. Like I had just found a new identity and it's so funny because the whole point of meditation is to lose your identities. And I got really attached to this idea of suddenly being like, I'm a meditation master. And you know, so in that time I just got home on October 2nd, it's now been almost two months. And I have completely lost my meditation mojo. So I was getting up every morning at about 5, 5.30 and meditating for an hour. And I know how helpful that is for me. I, I need it. It's, it's like, that's the most nutritious thing I can do. And yet I've let it go. And there's part of me that feels disappointment at having lost it. There's a sense of grief about it. But I'm also like, Sandy, again, you're gonna get to a new level of suffering. You're gonna not meditate for long enough that eventually... It's gonna call on you once again because you're not gonna have a choice. It's gonna be like, okay, I feel really bad, so I'm gonna start the practice again. And I think that's all part of the spiritual journey is continually, you know, going through periods of, like you said, reading books, understanding, learning, feeling aligned, and then those valleys come too. And that's all part of it. We don't need to feel like we're we've lost something.
0: Yeah, you can see how people might crash if they let themselves get to that. I like to use like a zero to ten number, so like. When I'm totally great, stress-free, calm, relaxed, I'm zero. Ten is totally extreme. And
1: okay, wait, what's extreme? <laughs> freak out.
0: I'm done. I need to go in my closet in total darkness and not speak to anybody. I don't do that. I've never. I never. I don't get to ten. <laughs> but I think that people let themselves get pretty high. You know, you're level eight anxiety, level eight stress, and it's like once you're at that level, you gotta come back the analogy i use is like you know what if I s st- i gotta start my day at a low level you know one two three four even if i start my day at like a six seven i'm asking for trouble because you know i'm driving through through traffic and this guy cuts me off and oh, i'm mad and oh i'm at eight now and it's just very easy to crash and burn when you're that high on that level and one of, the, one of the ways you can bring that down is obviously the things we're talking about. You know, meditation, yoga, what have you. Whatever gets you back to that baseline. Whatever, whatever gets you to tap into the universe, spirituality, God, whatever you want to call it. Whatever gets you into that so you can purge, if you will.
1: And I think what you touched on there is you're taking responsibility for your impact on the world. Mm. That you're not going to go out into the world in traffic at a level six because you're doing a disservice to yourself and everyone around you. And I totally feel that way. I I think that often it's easier for us to do good things for ourselves when it impacts someone else. You'll see that with um, a mom or a woman who becomes pregnant. They'll do things for their diet and exercise that they could never do for themselves. But because they're responsible for a different person, they'll make these huge changes, right? So I love... I love looking at it from that way in that I feel a responsibility to do well in the world and make the people around me feel okay. So that is enough reason in itself to really take care of myself, even if I can't do it for me. like I need to show up better for people around me.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a great, obviously a great way to foster relationships. Um, If you have, let's say, you know, you don't get along with, uh, you know, your grandparents or something. And every time you visit your grandparents, it's such a stressful situation. Because it's a stressful situation, you go in there guarded, maybe you snap or something, and you say some things you shouldn't say. That's a situation where, you know, taking the time out before you even get there, meditating, get your head in the right space, you know, calming yourself down and realizing that, hey, you're gonna go to a place, you're gonna go to your grandparents' place, you're gonna have interactions. They might not go the way you want, but hey, if you come out of there trying to aware of it, being mindful of the, the, how you speak and the courses of actions that you take, guarantee you can come out in a better situation than you were not caring or not really planning it out or not really thinking about it. Because that's what we do, right? Emotions, we react. Your grandparents might say something that maybe really doesn't sit well with you. Well, if you're not mindful, you're gonna react in a very positively angry way or negative way. But if you're mindful of that, then maybe you could say, hey, you know, I can understand why they might think that way or whatever it is, you know, but you're doing it so that you can build those relationships and make them better, not tear those apart in your life because at that time you're stressed or anxious or what have you.
1: I love, we were talking about mindfulness the other day and you said for the podcast itself, why not take some breaths before we interview people, really get conscious of our intention before we start and that's absolutely right like everything we do we can come from a place of mindfulness and and just attention what what are we going into things with how are we relating to people and how can we do it better
0: do you have like a daily routine Ryan that you do the maybe start your day or just get your head right or does it happen at the end of the day or when do you take a moment or is it just on the board
2: well, yeah, I think it's, um, again, it's, it's about listening to your body and maybe also developing routines. So I think a big part of my morning is um, my, my, my cereal. It's a signature part of my morning. So I have to make sure that I have, you know, the right milk and the right, the right contents. And, and by having that, I'm, I'm able to begin my day with the nourishment that I want, or that I think I want. So I think that's definitely part of part of my practices is the foods, um, the ingredients that go into the food. I think it's the ingredients that go into your food. It's the food you eat. It's the way it makes you feel. Is that's step one. You know, step two might be the you know the smoothie or watching watching something or reading something, um, and then you know preparing yourself for going off into your day. Mm. And you know, I think part of my practices within you know my whole brand and lifestyle is I leave my house with my board every day, and I ride my board so i fueled myself i prepared myself i will go on go on my sort of riding journey or i will interact with the environment around me um, become aware of my surroundings if the, the day is nice the day is not nice and i think yeah these are sort of routines and habits that i've built and it's a combination of the food i eat you know it's a if i'm leaving the my house with a board it's you know where where, where, where is the road going to take me am i going to make that green light am i going to have to stop at this at the crosswalk am I gonna to have to what side street do I want to take you know how fast am i going how fast did I make it to work when I'm at when I get to work how do I feel do I need a coffee do I need to what I would I, maybe I'll prefer um instead of a small coffee maybe I'll prefer or where do I want to get coffee from uh, where, you know maybe I'll prefer a, a liter and a half of water i will I'll get a large water depends so i I think through the day I'm always I'm always making decisions as to how I'm nourishing myself how I'm How I'm, you know, um, filling my need, you know, catering to my needs or, or fulfilling my wants. And, um, I think, I think, I think that's, it's like a layer within my day. It's not just going to work. No, I I like that a
0: lot because to me, when I hear that, I say, okay, Ryan's having a good breakfast. So Ryan's not having donuts because what donuts would do is probably give you a lot of sugar, which is probably going to raise your cortisol levels on top of that. So you're not going to crash and feel shitty after a couple hours. And you're skateboarding, sorry, you're longboarding, so that will also reduce your cortisol levels because you're exercising a little bit. So you already, in those next, let's say, two hours of your day, are feeling pretty good because you've intentionally did things like eat a good breakfast and, uh, you know, use your ride on your skateboard, your longboard, sorry. You've intentionally done those things to set yourself up. So you're not setting yourself up for failure by not eating breakfast. I mean, that was one thing that I used to do a lot, is not eat breakfast, or not even to eat a good breakfast. Now, that's one of the most critical parts, one of the most critical, if not the critical meal in my day as well.
1: I wanna know what you eat for breakfast, Sean.
0: To be honest, usually it's like a whole wheat grain, like a whole wheat bagel or whole wheat bread, because I like the carbs in the morning and I like slow carbs in the morning to fuel me in that sense. Breakfast, I don't mind eating, um, you know, eggs, you know, a little fat and stuff like that, meat, you know, I honestly, I don't even mind going to Tim Hortons or coffee shop and getting like an egg sandwich because that's when I want to be, have a lot of calories and nutrients for me. And that makes me feel good. And I do perform better after. that. What do you eat for breakfast? You eat some funny stuff too.
1: Yeah, I eat some weird stuff. I, so the past two months I've been eating plain yogurt with a mashed banana, hemp hearts, ground flax and cinnamon
0: wow it's so good well and okay can you can you walk us through those ingredients because they're all doing amazing things right
1: well um so the banana comes and goes i don't need the banana but the banana is particularly good for carbohydrates you get some sugar and i think there's something to be said for a little sweetness i tend to avoid sweetness and i think from an energetic standpoint sometimes I can be not very sweet you know and so there's times when I'm like Sandy are you feeling a little cold are you not really dwelling in your heart these days and I'll purposely add some sweetness <laughs> to my oh, body
0: So weird, eh?
1: and i.e. the yogurt plain because it has good bacteria in it I care about gut health which we're going to have someone on the podcast talking about that soon. Then I eat the hemp hearts because they're so high in protein and omega-3s and omega-6, but it's a good balance. So I, I'm really aware of the kinds of fats I'm getting. And cinnamon because it's yummy and it's warming and I tend to be cold.
0: Cinnamon also does something, uh, man, you know, can't remember. Antioxidant, powerful antioxidant. Yeah.
1: Yes. It is. It's also good for appetite control, I believe. Yes. Which is cool. And what was the other thing I did? Oh, and then the flax seed is great for digestion. There's also good fats in there, so it's kind of
2: wow. Yeah, incredible. I love, incredible. love it.
1: It's so yummy. Did
2: you ever get into maca powder?
1: I love maca. Maca, maca is really good for hormones.
2: Very high energy, gives you a boost. I sprinkle that on my cereal. Yeah. So we're getting. That's a berry. It's a, i think it's a root. It's a ground root. Oh, okay. Comes with powder. From the from Peru or some somewhere exotic like that. I was reading Tim Ferriss's book, The Four
0: Hour Body, and it had some pretty interesting tips. He likes coffee a lot, and I like coffee a lot too. I used to start my day with coffee. Now I have it at the end of my meal because you know they talk about how you know you're putting a lot of acid in your stomach, and it's a tough thing to take without any food. And so many of us do it, right? We just grab a coffee or something we've halfway done the coffee and maybe we'll eat after maybe not that's intense
1: coffee i am actually completely addicted to coffee and it's probably the worst thing for me because i am prone to anxious feelings so yeah there's times i don't know why but i'll just have coffee on an empty stomach in the morning And I love it. Like I get so jazzed (laughs) and I have so much energy and I'm like, Sandy, I'm just watching myself. I'm like, dude, it's just like a recreational drug. It really is. And I'm just like, I watch myself and I'm like, I'm like, babes, do whatever you got to do, but you're going to, you know, you're not going to sleep all tonight. And you might be a raging bitch later.
0: Well, I mean, you're aware of what's happening after you're aware of the consequences. I mean, I was thinking the other night I had this chocolate bar before bed. And I knew, I knew the next morning as I woke up, I would be, I know when I, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan is giving me, you guys can't hear it, he's, he's giving so me a judgmental. thumbs down. Ryan's giving me a thumbs down. I knew having that much sugar in my body the next day, I actually have a slight headache. I have I've felt this a lot
2: when I eat a lot of sugar at night, but I knew I was going to do it. I knew I was going to go through it. So one of those like r- unspoken rules or is like, you don't, you shouldn't eat after 9pm. And that just kind of like it makes so much sense when you think about it I think your body needs to shut down and your body needs to sleep and when you put food into your body whether it's a chocolate bar which A you shouldn't really eat B something with lots of sugar you should limit or you know whatever C eating it late at night your body wants to shut down your body wants to go to sleep your body needs a break and then yeah. think about you you've put food I'm not like talking you specifically Sean but in general when you eat late you, you put food in your body you've gone to rest how is that food supposed to digest itself while your, while your body's sleeping yeah um, well digestion happens overnight but it's sitting it's, it's just the not... food that you ate like 3-4 hours ago or 5-6 hours ago lunch dinner so I think yeah it, it's, it's sometimes hard not to eat late have a late night snack but I think it's something that we all need to condition ourselves to do uh, is to eat earlier and not late yeah sorry and with
0: me I found that it was a habit thing I, it was, I was in the habit of eating before bed. Uh, when I used to work night shifts, I was in the habit of eating before I went to bed. So once I broke that, it got a lot easier. And uh, again, you know what helps is, you know, you can switch. You know, If you need to eat something, then switch to something healthy. And then you can slowly um, limit that to, to, to very few amounts of food before bed.
1: Something that I really enjoy about you, Sean, is that you're... I love that you're just fallible. Willing, Well, no, but we all are. I think that I, I agree with Ryan that there's an ideal way we want to live our life and we all have this ideal self, but that we do a disservice to pretend like we're always living our ideal life. And so for me on this podcast, I think it's more important that we talk about what real life looks like because that's more inspiring to people. And what to me would lead to eating me personally I'm more likely to eat a chocolate bar right before bed if I've had a bad day. If I'm full of self-shaming all day, I'm going to be like, yeah, I want a chocolate bar before bed. If I feel like I have room for error, if I can, if I feel free, then I'm going to probably make better choices because I'm in a better headspace. Yeah, that's a, so, great point. that's a great point. I think
2: having the right foods around you is important to help also limit that choice. I mean, mm-hmm. you might say, oh, I've had a bad day, but you already know that that's a bad thing. And maybe if you had like an apple or certain, uh, you know, less sort of, um, you know, aggressive bad foods to have. I think, you know, the challenge is to determine which bad food you want and or is there an alternative and knowing that the chocolate bar is bad and, yes, even though you had a bad day, you still don't want to have a bad morning like Sean. Mm-hmm. Don't be like Sean. Don't be like me, don't guys. Sean. Like no. you want to like avoid that, so I, well, maybe that's like, I found having a small bowl of cereal. Like I, I, I do have a, um, you know, a new cereal does give me some sense of satisfaction, and I think having a very small bowl at night is the perfect sort of way to, you know, end my day if I am hungry, and does have that sweetness and those sort of what you would get. So, yeah, I think, I think, but to, as, as well, I get some, like, shopping, shopping for food and making sure you have the right foods around you so that you, when you are craving or when you do have a bad day. You're not going to choose to eat the wrong foods. Yeah,
0: that's a great point. I mean, and that's something I had to learn. I have the luxury of living alone, so I don't bring a lot of that stuff in here. You know, right now, I don't even know if I have sugar, to be honest. I have a chocolate bar, though. That's the one thing I have. It's a Milka. (laughs) Oh, what? Beautiful. Milka.
1: I didn't even know that's a chocolate bar. Yeah,
0: well, you don't know a lot about chocolate, so... Uh, (laughs) But yeah, now, you know... I don't keep that stuff around so because I am that type of person who at night when I'm craving, I will go get it and devour it. So if I'm craving sweet, maybe uh, dates, you know, that's pretty sweet, really sweet thing. You know? um, those are the type of sweet things that I can have instead of let's pound uh, that chocolate bar or whatever it is that I'm eating. Uh, let's just have like you said you know and I've done that where I've mashed I've been so desperate for sugar I've mashed up bananas and just eaten that but you know what hey it's that's a good yummy. alternative good for good for my stomach
1: you know what my late night snack is okay. I also try to do some not intermittent fasting I don't think that's great for women but I, I try to give my body a break overnight however late nights if I need it spoonful of peanut butter like a big spoonful yeah and some sort of <laughs> milk product it, I, whether it's almond milk or dairy I don't know there's something with that combo for me where I'm just like it makes you really sleepy
0: you know fantastic. that's I, I don't even keep that because I know myself I will grab a spoon and oh. have uh, five seven spoons of almond which is a ton of calories it's
1: so good though it's
0: delicious you know but Speaking on that, I think you know I've gone through a lot of different diets and plans and whatever, whatever. So I was on this one where it was no sugar and you know all that for three months. Very difficult for me to do. But what's amazing is that your body kind of resets, your taste buds kind of reset. So when I first had sweet stuff, well, I actually first started with like something like candy or chocolate, and it was too much for me. It was just I didn't like it actually. It was like oh, it's crazy, and then I. I I just started, you know, adding fruit and that was so delicious. It was like the sweetest thing. It's because I had reset. And I think for me, resetting is important so that I do remember what regular food tastes like and not be, you know, uh, craving these uh, high processed foods we always talk about, like McDonald's and burgers and stuff like that. It's okay to have all this stuff. Great. Awesome. Once in a while.
1: Yeah. And like you said, you start to develop a sense. And we were talking about how high what do we call the foods? High, High vibrational foods. Yes. So once, you know, you get into habits of feeling good, then you don't want to feel like crap. So you, you tend to make better choices. Yeah. Can I, can I, yeah. I just, I don't want this conversation to be triggering for people. I think that, Oh no. Yeah. I also don't like the word triggering. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we can edit that out. The last thing I, I want people to think is that there are good and bad foods and we can talk about things that make you feel better. But truthfully be free to me that is the best way to eat is that you you have a healthy relationship to food and this past year for me was hard while i was in school and i became in my opinion overly rigid about what i was putting in my mouth to the point that i, I wasn't getting a sense of joy with the things i was eating i talked about food a lot and i i blogged about it and i look back and i think that it wasn't free so now i'm making space for more deviations which is eating salt and vinegar chips sometimes because it's probably like my favorite taste. I still eat the majority of my food is, is unprocessed and and pretty good. But the fact that I can deviate to me makes me feel better. And from the outside, someone might be like, don't eat salt and vinegar chips, but I want to.
0: Speaking on that, I don't believe anything should be hard line like that. Like it leads to a lot of self-criticism and uh, you know, you really, you're really, putting yourself down because you will fail eventually, you know, having, you know, times when if, if, if you need it, maybe you, maybe you should take it and, and, you know, enjoy it, think about it, you know, it's, if your plan, you know, if you plan it out and say, okay, I'm gonna have, uh, you know, I'm gonna eat pizza once a week, or I'm gonna eat pizza once a month, I'm gonna treat myself, it becomes easier to do, you know, and like you were saying, like, I don't. Obviously, not everybody can do stuff like that. The reason I said, like, you know, have the luxury of being, you know, living alone is because people, and sometimes if you have a family, you can't totally throw away all the bad stuff because, you know, your kids want snacks or this or that, you know, uh, you want to send them to school uh, with, with some treats, whatever it is. So I think it, the message should be that just do what you can, you know, if it just comes down to sugary drinks, that's a huge way to get healthier and lose weight like pop juice whatever it is just look at the sugar content you know and start with your coffee very simple coffee
2: i think um something neat has been uh, the awareness that the internet has um given us towards food i mean let's say you're just scrolling on facebook and you'll see a post uh, that shows you uh, the sugar content in a variety of drinks everything from a can of coke to a glass of water and you see when you see like 28 sugar cubes go into a can of coke you're like oh my god like maybe I shouldn't like that then you're kind of more aware of what sugar content actually looks like so yeah I think you know the the internet also gives you you know whether it's um different uh, videos about animal cruelty it's and then it's sort of like you become quickly aware that um, you know there's animals are being processed in a way that's not healthy for the planet let alone your diet let alone did that animal live a happy life and should you be consuming it are you consuming its sort of uh, negativity that's just sort of like awareness to foods can come is, is i think is, is coming more and more from the internet whether it's blogs podcasts or random facebook posts i, I guess it's um it depends on who, who and what you're following but uh, there's so much information out there that can help us sort of subconsciously and consciously make better and healthier decisions. Um, I mean, no one's going to say, you, you, someone might say you have to eat a raw diet. And there's parts of a raw diet. I mean, if the food is not processed, there's, you know, things that say you should eat organic. But, you know, not all foods you have to eat organic. But when you start to like pull little things from, you know, each category, you start to, I think, build a, a, a better diet for sure.
0: Yeah, you fill yourself out in terms of things that feel good for you and are healthy for you. Uh, You know, like we talk about, you know, it's it's so related. What you eat will relate to your mindset. So back to what we're talking about, the spirituality, if you want to kind of be in a space where you can be accepting of those thoughts and, and figure out where you want to be in your place in life, well, you're diet will also determine what your thoughts will be sometimes.
1: That's so true. And we started the conversation or I did saying that spirituality was distinct from the things we put in our body, diet, exercise, but I think what we've come around to, it's funny we centered on food for this conversation, but that yeah, the the physical things we do day to day are very much attached to spirituality and ideally we align ourselves. We not only do we start to understand who we are get a deeper understanding of that, but that our choices in our physical body are very much aligned with that. So, yeah, they're not distinct.
0: And, and you see it in, in other avenues too. I mean, fitness, health, you know. Um, athletes are trying different avenues to get their head right, you know. Visualization techniques are, are very important if you're, if you're an athlete and you're gonna play a sport and, and at the professional level. Also, you know, and I'm sure they're doing the same things that everybody else is doing to try to get ahead, try to get an advantage. And, and you know, when, you're, when your spirit is li- aligned with your body, you're going to perform better. So that's another outlet and avenue where making sure your spirituality is intact and you're, you're fulfilling that part of your life will help you perform better if you're an athlete.
1: Or you have a desk job yeah. or whatever.
0: Yeah. Often, uh, I again, I've talked about this before, but... A lot of times, like for my work, I will prepare myself and I will, I, I almost, I'm not obviously not at that level where I'm an athlete, but I will consider it like in my sport, you know, I'll get, I'll make sure I, I eat properly, usually I don't eat chocolate bars before bed, I'll get a lot of sleep. Yeah, sleep is vital, um, and then that sets my day out where I can perform the best, I can be in the right headspace because I know I've done all those things I needed to do.
2: I think this, this whole topic and conversation of spirituality is cool because none of us are experts in that we are all just sort of regular people and we've had little bits and experiences here and there and I think you know it is it is it's been great you know talking about it and, and hearing hearing everyone's experiences and um, hopefully some of the listeners have had some cool experiences and they'd like to share some in the comments or engage and help us uh, engage in in the conversation the discussion the ongoing journey that we're all on or you know some people don't know that they're on a journey or haven't embarked on their journey yet so hopefully some of these experiences will be helpful to you to to listeners to um identify their journey and uh if if they've had good experiences we encourage you to uh share them
0: ryan again thanks for helping us out today thanks for coming on Just like Ryan said, if you guys have any questions, comments, definitely hit us up. If any of these subjects were of interest to you or you're an expert on one of those subjects, hit us up. We'd love to hear from you and uh, we will uh, dive a little deeper on some of these things in the future.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in today to the Nourished Ape podcast you if you want to know more about us you can check us out on instagram twitter and our website www.thenourished8podcast.com thank you again to ryan rubin for coming on sharing some thoughts today we hope that something in our talk today resonated with you and again please reach out to us anytime and tell us a little bit more thank you thank you